VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk, coming your way from VCY America. And as we begin today, we want to welcome brand new listeners over radio station KVPC, 97.9 FM, Rapid City, South Dakota. KVPC is your Christian voice proclaiming Christ. It's a brand new outlet for VCY America on the air, and we welcome you to not only the network, but to Crosstalk. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you visit Mount Rushmore, please look for 97.9 on your radio dial. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a regular listener to Crosstalk, you know that children are under attack on many fronts, being indoctrinated in sometimes subtle ways, but many times very overtly ways. Uh, there's, uh, they're being bombarded through broadcast media, social media, the educational system, library holdings, even in the public square. Scripture gives stern warning. Here's a verse from Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. As to how much a millstone weighs, I, I did some looking up of that and seen reports anywhere from 1,600 to 3,300 pounds. So, folks, I, I would guess that you get the picture of what that scripture verse is referring to. But do you know who said those words? It was Jesus himself who called the little child unto him and used that child as an illustration to the people. And despite this warning from the one whose name is above all names, there are many that are purposely pursuing children with a very clandestine agenda, a very indoctrinating agenda. Today, we're going to expose one such institution that is doing just that, and it's coming under the auspices of the United Nations. Joining us today, we welcome back Alex Newman. He is an award-winning international freelance journalist, author, researcher, educator, and consultant, senior editor for The New American, author of Crimes of the Educators, really gets into this issue in this book, Deep State, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes. He is a founder of Liberty Sentinel. Alex, welcome back here to Crosstalk. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. So, Alex, when it comes to children and offending them or misleading them, Jesus took this matter very seriously, didn't he? Yes, he did. It's uh, it's one of the most horrific things that a person can do. And we know we're all sinful, we're all fallen, but corrupting children is really one of the most grotesque abominations possible. And unfortunately, it is a, it's an attack that has now been systematized, right? We hear a lot of talk of systemic racism and systemic bias and all these other silly things. The real systemic problem that we have here is a system, in fact, a collection of systems that are not just corrupting our children, they're destroying our children. Mm -hmm. They're turning our children away from the Lord, away from His Word, away from the truth, away from their families, away from their parents, uh, away from right and wrong, and and even away from their country. I mean, uh, these, these, the indoctrination that's taking place uh, people need to understand when when the Bible talks about how serious it is to corrupt children, it's exactly the type of thing that we're seeing today uh, with the, the transgenderism and the promotion of paganism and godlessness. Uh, this is an incredibly serious crime. It's uh, it's a spiritual crime being perpetrated against the most innocent among us. So you have written for The New American indicating that, that there is an effort that's underway, and it's on a worldwide basis to impose radical political and spiritual values and beliefs on children being orchestrated by the United Nations. Alex, tell us about it. Yeah, and I mean, we, we could start at the beginning. Uh, the UN has had an agenda to seize control over education really from the very beginning, right? Right in, in the ashes of World War II, they set up the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization that's called UNESCO. Uh, the first individual they chose to lead this was actually Julian Huxley. Uh, in addition to serving as the first head of UNESCO, he was also the head of the British Humanist Association. Uh, humanism is, of course, a false religion from the pit of hell. It teaches that mankind can be his own little god, that we can determine for ourselves what's right and wrong, that there is no real god, no actual creator of the heavens and the earth, which, you know, if you line that up with Scripture, just go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, and that's literally the oldest line in the book, right? <laughs> you yeah. are God, yep. you shall be as God, so all you have to do is this. 
Um, and so you start from there, right? That was the genesis. Also, another not-so-fun fact, Julian Huxley was the head of the Eugenics Society, another anti-biblical, um, abominable idea, this idea that some races are better than other races, and uh, pseudoscientific quackery that holds that we should be selectively breeding people to uh, kind of like cattle to, to bring out the best in our um, our genetics. So this is the guy they chose to run the UN Education Agency right at the start. Uh, they also came up with the UN Universal Declaration of Human Rights, where they, and people can go read this themselves, this is still a document that is in effect. Uh, they say that all children must go to school and that all education, and I'm quoting here exactly, shall further the activities of the United Nations. So fast forward a few decades, and uh, the UN comes up with something they call the World Core Curriculum. Now, the guy who wrote this, he was the Assistant Secretary General of the UN, uh, very, very prominent individual. He's known today as the father of global education. He believed the UN was the body of Christ, which if you've read your Bible, you realize how totally ridiculous that is. Of course, the church is the body of Christ, not the UN, the collection of governments and dictators that make up the UN. And um, in the foreword to the teacher's manual for this document that he, again, said it should be taught in every school to every child on earth, uh, he acknowledges that the principles on which his World Corps curriculum are based come from a person he identifies as Alice Bailey and a person he identifies as the Tibetan teacher, Javal Kool. And for the folks who are not familiar with Alice Bailey and Javal Kool, uh, Alice Bailey was a New Age occultist. She was a theosophist. She was a disciple of Helena Blavatsky, a Russian mystic. And she was also the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. Hmm. And the Tibetan teacher, Javal Kool, turns out he's not a teacher or a Tibetan. Uh, he's actually a spiritual entity. Alice Bailey claimed to be channeling him. She referred to him as an ascended master. And... Um, her and her demon, I mean, if you read your Bible, this is not an ascended master, it's a, a demonic force, of course, and they were very open about what they wanted to do through education. They wanted to create a one-world government, a one-world brain, and they were going to do this using education, ultimately the tools that John Dewey outlined, to bring about this new age. And so you fast forward all the way to today, I know I'm, I'm talking a lot, Jim, but I just wanted to give people the background here. If you fast forward to today, UNESCO is very much involved in consolidating control over education all over the world, and uh, I identified a, an organ of UNESCO. Uh, it's, a, it's an organization called the Mahatma Gandhi Institute of Education for Peace and Sustainable Development. It's a UNESCO agency, and I encourage people to visit their website. Um, they are very open about the fact that they're using these things like social-emotional learning, neuroscience, and other uh, pedagogies to indoctrinate children into this radical set of political and even religious beliefs. There's a lot of one-world spirituality stuff on there that we're all really, all the religions of the world are really the same thing. And so very, very dangerous what's happening here. There's a long uh, history of this, and now it is basically coming to the forefront. Okay, so let's define this. You mentioned the social-emotional em learning, SEL. What exactly is that? So if you listen to the proponents of social-emotional learning, it's this wonderful tool that is going to help our children have um, better emotional health. It's going to help them form better relationships. Uh, this UNESCO agency that I mentioned says they are building uh, kinder brains in the minds of our young people. And so all of this sounds really nice to a parent, right? What parent doesn't want their child mm -hmm. to be empathetic and compassionate and have healthy relationships? The problem is that's all a ruse. That's all a smokescreen. So when they say they want your children to be empathetic, uh, then you look at, well, what does that mean when it comes to an SEL curriculum? Well, that means they're going to teach them that we need to get rid of borders because it's not empathetic to not have open borders. That means we need to promote abortion because it's not empathetic to force a woman to carry a baby to term that she doesn't want. Uh, that means we need to promote this uh, hyper-racialism because there's systemic racism, and you can't be empathetic unless you actively fight against the systems that these people claim underpin systemic racism. So um, it really is a mechanism to manipulate and to indoctrinate children. And uh, this, I think, will really resonate with the Christian folks listening, Jim. Uh, I first started digging into this um, a couple years ago. It was a relatively unknown term at that time. And so I went to the main organization that's pushing this. It's an organization funded by Bill Gates. It's called CASEL. It's the Collaborative for Academic Social-Emotional Learning. Uh, it's the primary organization in the world that is promoting this. And by the way, it's in all of your public schools all across America. It's in even many Christian schools today. And I go to the history page on their website, and one of the first things they say on the history page 
is that the idea for social emotional learning came out of meetings at the Fetzer Institute. And I had not heard of the Fetzer Institute. I did not know what that was, so I spent some time researching it. And it took me all of 30 seconds to find out that the Fetzer Institute is a New Age organization founded by a disciple of Alice Bailey, again, the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company, dedicated to bringing about one-world spirituality, particularly through using education. So um, this is a very, very nefarious thing that's happening here, Jim. You know, Alex, you talked, and I heard some of those words you used about, uh, you know, kinder brains. And, you know, we think about all the, you know, the the anger in society today and and, uh, uh, animosity between individuals. Why wouldn't we want kinder brains? They talk about peaceful and sustainable. But one of the dangers I know you have often pointed out, Alex, is that, that that the terminology that they use, uh, may not ring alarm bells for us, but when you realize they're actually using a different dictionary, it takes on a whole new persona, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that's critical to understanding what's happening here, Jim. If you were to just briefly peruse the website, you'd see kinder brains, you'd see empathy, you'd see uh, creating a more peaceful and sustainable world, and you'd think, wow, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, and let's get into the scripture of what happens when they declare, you know, we want peace and safety, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that doesn't lead good places. But uh, what's happening here is they're concealing a very, very dark, a very evil agenda uh, under terminology that we think we're familiar with, right? We all think we know what that means. And, uh, and, you know, the left and the totalitarians have really become masters of this, of redefining words, of using words that we think we're familiar with and then redefining them. Uh, and that's what's happening here. But you don't have to dig very deep to find that, Jim. Uh, all you really have to do is is look at the reports that this group is putting out. Look at the people who lead this group. Uh, they're all very notorious advocates of one-world religion, of communism, of uh, using neuroscience to manipulate children. So uh, this is, uh, again, right underneath the surface of the uh, the very nice-sounding language, what you'll find is a very dark uh, agenda rooted in the occult, uh, rooted in conversations with spiritual entities and uh, things that God calls an abomination, things that God very strictly prohibits. Uh, and they want to bring our children into this, and they say so openly. Yeah. Tell us about the video, Blinded by Faith. Yeah, so the, one of the videos that they have on their website, I almost couldn't believe this as I was watching it. Uh, it. It's only a few minutes long. I encourage people to take a look at it for themselves and just watch it nice and slow and, and you know pause and as, as things come up on the screen, reflect on it. Uh, what you'll find is that throughout the video, they're giving you really, really strong hints about where they're going. So this is about kind of transforming education for humanity is how they they dub this. And as you're going through the video, you'll see these little kids and they're using these new virtual platforms for their education. And you get options like climate change and ethics, right? Uh, And one of the things that you and I talked about recently, I had just gotten back from Egypt at the UN Climate Summit. Mm -hmm. The UN openly said, we need a new system of ethics. Why? because climate change, because the current system of ethics, which of course has its roots in the Ten Commandments, the biblical understanding of morality, uh, has led to, in their view, um, environmental destruction and climate change. So they want to bring in a new system of ethics. So that's a red flag number one. There are many, many more we can hit when we get back from the other side of the break. But again, this is all on their website. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Alex Newman with us today. And indeed, the UN is pushing new age spirituality on school children. So we're talking about a lot of the background here, and then we'll also be talking about its implementation, how it's getting into the classroom, what's going on there. We'll be back in just one minute. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, in an evolutionary sense, what do the terms advanced and primitive mean? Crisp, primitive animals are thought to be those that evolved long ago, which gave rise to more and more advanced types. Single-cell organisms are the most primitive, and then marine invertebrates and up to fish, amphibians, mammals, and eventually man, the most advanced of all. Within each mammal type, evolutionists say that the more advanced ones are the ones that are modern, but extinct varieties were hardly primitive. Chris, the whole concept of primitive advances an evolutionary idea which is wrong on the face of it. Evolution did not happen. God created each basic category, much as we see it today. None is more advanced than the other. Each is complex. And that's the way I see it from a back-to-Genesis perspective. Visit our website at icr.org. I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. 
Friends, so often on Crosstalk, we have talked about children being in the crosshairs, and they really are. This indoctrination is important because this is the next generation that's coming up. You know, the warning in Judges, you know, that a generation that was raised that knew not God, didn't know his wonderful works that he had done. Well, friends, that is the network that is in place to produce such a generation. And coming up uh, through the uh, educational means and and many different uh, varieties here today, we're speaking with Alex Newman, and our topic today is the U.N. Pushing New Age Spirituality on School Children. Alex, uh, just before the break, we were talking about this video, Blinded by Faith, which you indicate is rather open, rather blatant about what they're seeking to accomplish and, and, and propose through this. But you mentioned one aspect that they brought forth was dealing with the matter of climate change, but indicated there's some other facets to this indoctrination as well. Yeah, there are. And so the, the context for this video, it starts off in an old-fashioned classroom with, you know, little kids sitting at desks like they would in a, in a normal classroom. And then it kind of moves toward the future. I don't know if they're time traveling or what, but in the future, they're all staring at their screens, right? The education is no longer, you know, we're learning from a teacher. We're now learning from our personal devices. And so as the little girl who's kind of the, the center of this video is going through what's on her virtual platform, her, her computer system for personal education, she's, she's seeing options come up like climate change and ethics, uh, things like how to deal with your carbon footprint, right? Uh, and, and throughout the video, you're seeing these little slogans for this UN agency, like changing mindsets and challenging norms and transforming education. Um, and so they're very, very open about what's happening here. And, and again, this is something that, they've, that has been in the works for a long time. Uh, I have followed the UN agreements and treaties and deals that they've been making for decades now on education. And a very common theme is that education must change the attitudes, values, ethics, beliefs, and behavior of children. Uh, and, and that terminology, almost word for word, can be found in multiple U.N. agreements on education. And so it comes through very, very clearly in this video. And so what, what the video illustrates, I think, more clearly than any other short thing that I've seen from the U.N., is the transformation that they're seeking. Uh, first of all, they're seeking a transformation in education. It will move away from the kind of traditional model that we are all familiar with and more toward a computerized, individualized system. Uh, so in 2019, the UN met in China uh, for a, a conference they called Artificial Intelligence and Education. It was about how do we merge AI and education together. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen as this proceeds is teachers are going to be increasingly pushed out of the way. They'll be basically glorified babysitters standing at the front of the class, making sure the kids don't throw too many spitballs at each other. But each child will have a little device where they will be pumped full of radical ideas and and the training that's happening on these devices. And you can kind of get a hint of it through this video that's on the UNESCO website. Um, It's very much behavioral conditioning. It's the kind of thing that B.F. Skinner talked about with the Skinner box, where you're basically treating children not as individuals made in the image of God with a mind, body, soul, but rather as circus animals that need to be trained using positive and negative reinforcement. So the positive reinforcement on your personalized learning device might be, uh, you know, a little happy face pops up or a penguin dances across the screen and you get some happy music and some confetti. So when a child displays the correct attitude, uh, they call this the affective domain. So maybe it's a question about borders. Maybe it's a question about abortion. Maybe it's a question about homosexuality. If the child displays the correct response to the given stimulus, they'll be rewarded with a little shot of dopamine that comes from little happy faces and little music. If they display the wrong attitude, like maybe they don't believe abortion is a good idea, then they'll be faced with a negative consequence. It might be a sad face and some little sad music. So this is highly advanced psychological Mm -hmm. manipulation for very, very nefarious purposes. You know, I've got to bring up Klaus Schwab's recent statement here, too, about whoever controls AI, whoever controls the metaverse, they will be the master of the world. Yeah, and he's right. I mean, he's, in a very real sense, he's right. Mm -hmm. We've seen the power of social media. We've seen how they're able to completely silence conversations that they don't want discussed. Now, Klaus Schwab has one thing very, very wrong, uh, God is and will forever be the master, not just of the world, but of the entire universe and of yes. everything created within it. 
Uh, but in, in a very real sense, in this fallen world, whoever is able to control the technological systems that are emerging, including artificial intelligence, is going to be able to wield an unfathomable amount of power. Because we're talking about, quite literally, being able to control the minds of billions of young children who will then grow up to become voters, to mm -hmm. become business owners, to become uh, citizens and church members. Uh, we're talking about the next generation here. So the power inherent in these technological systems that are being built and rolled out as we speak is unimaginably huge. And there's a definite connection to our topic here of education with all of this. I think education is the linchpin of all this. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they know that they're not going to be able to get uh, the older generations of Americans on board with this, right? And, and they've been very clear about that. I mean, everybody remembers Obama talking about the bitter clingers who are clinging to their guns and their Bibles. Right? They, they've practically given up on a big segment of the older American population. But they also know that if they get the children, and Adolf Hitler understood this, Joseph Stalin understood this, Chairman Mao understood this. If they get the children, it really doesn't matter what the dying generations think about anything, because uh, the children will eventually move into positions of power, will eventually take over the systems that exist or burn them down and create new ones. And so that is why the U.N. has been so focused yeah. on taking over education. And, and this actually comes through very clearly in their treaties. Right? If you read uh, Agenda 21, the U.N.'s Global Plan for Sustainability, the heart of their strategy to move us toward this sustainable planet that they want, and to understand sustainability, just understand everything God teaches, you flip it upside down, and you get a good picture of what they mean. But if you go to Chapter 36, they outline the core of their strategy. It is education. They say education, and I'm quoting from the text of the deal, is indispensable, is the word they use, to changing people's attitudes and values. Yeah. And they actually say in the text of this document, this was signed in 1992 by George H.W. Bush. It was embraced by Nancy Pelosi and all the others in Congress. Bill Clinton actually implemented it in America by executive order. They say that this education needs to include spiritual development, and it needs to be integrated into all subjects. So what we're watching now is the realization of those agreements that were put into place and these processes that were started decades ago. You mentioned names like Irina Bakova, and, and you talk about numerous pagans and New Age religious leaders are really all engaged with this process here. Uh, just comment on that briefly, if you would. Yeah, I think, you know, one way that people can tell the true nature and the true agenda of this organization and others involved is just by looking at the people who created it and look at the people who run it. Uh, the lady who created this, her name is Irina Bokova. Um, I actually spent a lot of time exposing her because they were grooming her to take over the United Nations. Um, before she became the head of UNESCO, the UN Education Agency, she was actually a top official in a mass-murdering communist dictatorship. Uh, she actually served as acting foreign minister in a mass-murdering regime that enslaved the people of Bulgaria and slaughtered hundreds of thousands of innocent people. Uh, so after the alleged collapse of communism in the early 1990s, they rebranded the Communist Party as the Socialist Party. They never apologized. They never went to jail for mass murder. They never went to jail for torturing and destroying families. So she's the one who created it. Uh, another one who is on the board of this is uh, Rosa Otunbayeva. She was also Minister of Foreign Affairs, but not for the mass-murdering Bulgarian regime. She served the mass-murdering Kyrgyz Soviet Republic. Okay. So those are two of the communist leaders. You have uh, Dr. Karan Singh, who passed away uh, not too long ago, but he was the chairman of the board of this organization. He is deeply tied to the One World Spirituality Movement. He was actually co-chair of the World Commission on Global Consciousness and Spirituality with Robert Mueller, who we mentioned earlier, the father of global education, the disciple of Alice Bailey. Um, and another interesting fun fact, uh, or maybe not so fun fact, about Dr. Karan Singh is that uh, before all of this, he was actually the Minister of Family Planning in the brutal regime of Indira Gandhi. Um, under his leadership, they sterilized about 15 million people, which is way more people than the Nazis ever sterilized. This was part of their UN-backed population control. And I want to give people this quote from uh, Dr. Singh, again, the chairman of the board of this UN organization that's mainstreaming SEL and all this other stuff in schools around the world. He says, in my mind, the significance of these global spirituality conferences is this, that we realize the essential unity of all religions. So they're not hiding the fact that this is leading us very rapidly toward a one-world religious operation. Mm. 
And, um, you know, people need to know this. And there are many more that we could talk about, but that will give you a sense of who's running this thing and who created it. Okay, so we've got this clandestine group of people, uh, uh, and and they've, they've got their, their, their the meetings going on, the, you know, the, 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 the uh, chalk diagrams is how we're going to do and accomplish all these things. I'm speaking in, in uh, metaphoric tor- terms here. But what is the process, Alex, uh, of from getting from their drawing board into the minds of children? Uh, what, what is the method that they're using, getting from point A in, in all their planning and processes for this to take place, the New Age spiritualists and so forth, to get that into the minds of children, point B? How do they get from point A to point B? Yeah, that's a great question, Jim, and there are numerous mechanisms, I and mean, we could do a whole show just on that, but let me give you a few examples. Let's start with Common Core. Everybody remembers Common Core. Uh, this is still, of course, being used all across the country. Don't believe the politicians who told you it's gone. It's not. It's been rebranded in a lot of states, but it's the exact same garbage. And so a little bit of background on Common Core that people are not familiar with. Uh, in 2004, Bill Gates, who, again, biggest funder of Castle, biggest funder of Common Core, he went over to UNESCO headquarters and signed an agreement with the head of UNESCO, him on behalf of Microsoft, uh, the other gentleman on behalf of UNESCO, to come up with global standards, global education curricula, global teacher training programs, and global technological systems to make all of this possible. That was 2004. He came back to the United States and within a few years started pouring millions of dollars and then billions of dollars into a set of national standards for the United States. These eventually came to be known as Common Core. Um, That is not a coincidence. Uh, The the alignment with the World Core curriculum has always been very clear. And actually, um, some of the early ads that Bill Gates was funding to promote Common Core to the American people, and I've got some of them saved on my computer. I use them in talks. They were bragging about how Common Core was going to align American education with international standards. That's the terminology they used. So that's one example of how this works. They use private companies and grants. Another thing they do is they work with textbook publishers to get these things published in textbooks. They work with universities to get uh, professors at colleges of education trained on these things. They use incentives, right? SEL is is right now being not quite mandated, but it is being forced into the schools through policy all around the country. They're bringing in new standards that don't have anything to do with academics, but have to do with social and emotional goals. And so that's how they're getting SEL curriculum, even in some Christian schools. So there's all these different ways that the ideas that are hatched at UNESCO, the ideas that are hatched at the Fetzer Institute, the ideas that are hatched at this Mahatma Gandhi Institute for Education for Peace and Sustainable Development are then moved from the drawing board into the classroom where your child is spending five days a week, seven hours a day. And not just in U.S. classrooms. I mean, this is global, correct? This is absolutely global, yep. And uh, one of the key mechanisms that they have used to make this global, and they bragged about this. I got this out of the reports a few years ago. UNESCO put out a report saying that when they first started this, there was only a handful of countries in the world that had a national testing program. Uh, The document that I got, they were bragging that when they started, there was only a few countries. Now there's more than, I think it was 120 or 130 countries that have implemented national testing regimes. What happens when you have a national testing regime? All teaching has to be lined up with the testing, mm-hmm. otherwise there's problems for the teachers and problems for the schools. So this is one of the mechanisms they're using. Friends, we'll be back in just one minute. A program packed full of information today. Alex Newman is our guest, and uh, he writes for The New American, thenewamerican.com. You'll find uh, his article on this very issue on the U.N. pushing New Age spirituality on school children. Uh, That is thenewamerican.com. We'll mention more about that after the break. You're listening to Crosstalk. VCY America is making available Ray Comfort's DVD that is causing evolutionists and atheists around the world to become unglued. Evolution vs. God is a fast-moving 35-minute DVD in which Ray Comfort confronts evolutionists with a series of questions that leave them stumped and speechless about a belief system that lacks credible answers to the origins of the earth and mankind. You can obtain one DVD of Evolution vs. God for a donation of $5, five copies for a donation of $18, or ten copies for a donation of $25 by calling 1-800-729-9829. Evolution versus God is shaking the foundation of evolutionary faith. 
That's one copy for a donation of $5, five copies for a donation of $18, or ten copies for a donation of $25. Simply call VCY America at 1-800-729-9829 or on the web at vcyamerica.org. Alex Newman is with us here today, senior writer for The New American, and uh, we're talking about a very critical topic, the U.N. pushing New Age spirituality and school children. And Alex, uh, for those who get the magazine, they would see your writings, uh, but uh, for those uh, others who are listening, this may be a first time that they've heard of The New American. Give us a word about it, if you would. Yeah, thank you, Jim. So The New American has been around uh, longer than me. I was born... uh, uh, from the merger of two previous publications, uh, Review of the News and American Opinion. Uh, it's a, a subsidiary of the John Birch Society, which has uh, been basically sounding the alarm about these things for over 60 years, uh, named after a Baptist missionary who was murdered by Chinese communists. Uh, it's got chapters all across the country working in unison to try to preserve morality, protect our children, preserve individual liberty, uh, defend our constitution, our religious liberties, etc. And um, it, it really is, uh, in my opinion, the best publication in the world. Uh, when I was in journalism school, I was, at, at the time I was writing for a publication owned by the New York Times and just despairing at how biased and how um, really deceptive everything was. And when I came across the New American and realized there was uh, at least some venue where I could mm-hmm. publish the truth as I understood it, I was just um, absolutely filled with joy. And so I've been writing for them ever since. That was probably 12 or 13 years ago. And now I, uh, I go all over the world covering different things, climate summits and other things uh, for the magazine, and people can find it at thenewamerican.com. Um, even without being a subscriber to the print magazine, people can get the daily headlines in their email and things like that. So so again, folks, that's thenewamerican.com. Alex, we've talking, uh, spoken many, many times on so many different topics and issues, but one of the things that often comes up is the aspect of population control. It becomes part of our discussion somewhere. And when you look at all of this, this New Age spirituality uh, that, that's going on within the classrooms, there is also linked to this matter of population control. Is, there is a connection, correct? There's an extremely close connection. And, um, and, and it, it makes sense, right? As I mentioned earlier, if you really want to understand the agenda for sustainable development, which is painted in all these glowing terms about how we're going to make the planet cleaner and protect the environment, um, the best way to understand it, I have found, is to just take everything God teaches, all the moral codes that God has given to us, um, both in nature and also through Revelation, I think the Ten Commandments, and uh, just invert them, turn them completely on their heads, and you'll get a really good sense of what they mean. And uh, obviously the, the very first command that God gave to mankind, uh, this was back in Genesis, he said, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> okay, that was the very first instruction, the very first order that he gave to human beings. And so we shouldn't be surprised that one of the uh, most fanatical movements at the core of this sustainable development agenda and also what's happening here in the education is population control. Uh, I mentioned Agenda 21 earlier. I've got the children's edition of Agenda 21. I'm actually holding it in my hand right now. It was published by UNESCO. It's used in public schools around the world. And they actually teach children using cute little cartoons that Mother Earth is groaning every time you have another baby. Mm. Um, and, of course, you know we know that God tells us children are a blessing. Children mm-hmm. are our heritage. Right? We are not a, 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 a cancer on this planet. Rather, God put this planet here for us and for his glory, not uh, for these things. And so uh, let me just give you a couple examples here. I mentioned uh, Dr. Karam Singh earlier, who was the chair of the board of this UN agency. Uh, he was, of course, the Minister of Family Planning, in the Indian regime that sterilized 15 million people. Mm. Uh, Let that sink in. That's far more people than the Nazis ever sterilized. They did that with the help of the UN, and uh, this guy was a leading advocate of forcible population control. Another really good example of this is um, there's an organization that's backed by the UN. It's called Religions for Peace. Uh, UNESCO is actually one of the funders. So is the U.S. State Department. So is George Soros. So is the Rockefeller clan and all the rest of them. Uh, Their current leader is actually a lady called Aza Karam, and before taking over Religions for Peace, which is an effort to unify all the religions of the world behind the UN agenda, and they, they specifically say this in their agreements, before taking on that job, she was actually working at the UN Population Fund. 
That's the UN agency in charge of reducing the population of the planet. That's the UN agency that was exposed in congressional testimony working with the barbaric communist Chinese dictatorship on forced abortions to implement their one-child policy. So, um, you know, this is a current that runs all through this entire movement, right? Uh, God said, thou shalt not steal. Well, these people think that uh, God must not have realized that resources weren't going to be equitably distributed and that we would need to redistribute those resources by first stealing them and then handing them out as they see fit. Uh, You know, when God says, thou shalt not murder, these people believe that, uh, you know, God didn't know what he was talking about, or God isn't even real, and therefore we must kill unborn babies, we must kill large numbers of people. So on every issue, right, on every single issue, if you want to understand where they're going to come down, it's not just population control, they'll come down on the wrong side. Alex Newman is with us today. Friends, I'd like to open our phone lines. No doubt you've got some questions you'd like to ask or a brief comment. Our number 1-800-733-9829. That's 1-800-733-9829. Alex, uh, Scripture tells us to to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather to reprove them. And and really what we're doing, we're exposing this today. And, and the, it naturally begs the question, what is the solution? So uh, we have... In, in, in this uh, brief 40, 35 minutes so far, talked about the problem and, and how intertwined this is with even Agenda 2030, Agenda 21. It's, it's there. You mentioned just moments ago about the funding coming from, you know, U.S. State Department, George Soros, the Rockefellers, uh, the, the, the United Nations, all part of this. Uh, what is the solution to this? I know we've seen legislation come forth, get the U.S. out of the U.N. Uh, we see that every legislative session, it gets so far and just kind of stops. What What do you see as the solution to the very issues that we've talked about today? Uh, thank you, Jim. And I, I think this is really the key question. I would say, answer number one, open up your Bibles. Okay, Your Bibles have a lot of insight, a lot of instructions that address these matters specifically. First of all, uh, God gives us very clear instructions on how we are to raise, educate, and disciple our children. First of all, if you read your Bible, you'll understand very clearly that parents are given this responsibility by God. Uh, That's not a responsibility that was given to Caesar. That's not a responsibility that was given to the Church. Right? Caesar's job is to punish evil and to protect the good, not to educate your children. The Church's job is to equip the saints. Right? It's to uh, uh, be a light in this world. It's not to educate your children. That's not to say that we as parents can't delegate some of these tasks to others, that we can't do this in community, that we can't join homeschool co-ops or even rely on Christian schools for some help. But we have some very clear instructions from God about how we are to raise, disciple, and educate our children. And, uh, you know, I would, I would quote just a few verses here that I think make the case um, pretty solidly. Um, you know, one of the, the very obvious ones is uh, Jesus gave us a litmus test, right? He, he's actually quoted twice in the Gospels as saying that uh, you're either with me or you are against me. And I would challenge every Christian listening to my voice right now, are you going to try to make the argument that the public schools are with Christ? Because if you are, you know that you're lying to yourself. We all know the public schools are not with Christ, and that only leaves one option. Um, we also know from Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you go to Proverbs 9-10, you'll read that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so God hasn't given us uh, exactly how many credit hours of English and mathematics every child needs for a well-rounded education, but he has given us the basics. It starts with the fear of the Lord. That's the foundation for wisdom and knowledge. You know as well as I do they're not going to get that in a public school. And so uh, you know, I can't encourage you strongly enough to protect your children from this. Uh, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, to God the things that are God's. If you think your children belong to Caesar, then by all means keep handing them over. Uh, if you recognize that your children belong to God and that you have a divine and holy responsibility to raise them up in the fear, admonition, and instruction of the Lord, you need to really think hard and pray hard about this. And so I would, you know, I would start with that. It's not a solution that we have to wait for legislation. It's not something that's terribly complex. We don't need to ask any politician for anything. All we need to do is make the right decision and say, you know what? I'm going to do what God called me to do, and that is to train up, educate, and disciple my children. Stop handing them over to godless and, in many cases, even pagan institutions. Uh, and I know that sounds harsh. I, I don't mean to be harsh on purpose, but I think you know when we're exposing evil, 
we need to speak very clearly, and I think Scripture speaks very, very clearly to these issues. Our lines are packed. Alex Newman is our guest, and uh, let's begin with Dr. Malcolm in Osprey, Florida. You're on the air. Good afternoon, Alex. Enjoyed your talk in um, Bradenton two weeks ago. I've got a question that's significant. How can we defund the National Education Association that started under, uh, I think it was Jimmy Carter, 1972? Trevor Loudon has made the statement, and I agree with it, that the unions are controlled by the Communist Party, and of course the agenda in the public schools now fits right in with the Communist Party. So how do we go about defunding the NEA? Thank you for the call. Alex? Great question, and I would say there's uh, two different issues that we're dealing with here. Uh, Yes, the Department of Education, the U.S. Department of Education, began under Jimmy Carter, and uh, it is unconstitutional. There's actually a bill in Congress right now, H.R. 899, that would abolish this agency. Um, It was introduced by Congressman Thomas Massey. Uh, I've interviewed him on this. If people want to see his rationale, I think it's a very good bill. But I will say I don't think that's going to solve the problem. Uh, The real problem here is that we have taken an unbiblical position and accepted it as the norm, the idea that government should really be in charge of educating our children. And so I think you know, even beyond just abolishing the Department of Education, we need to get back to a biblical understanding of discipleship and education and family. Next, the issue of the National Education Association. That one's a little bit more complicated. Uh, The NEA is, of course, a, a union made up of over 3 million teachers. Uh, I would say that the best way to defund it is for teachers to leave the union. Um, Thanks to the Supreme Court, actually, a good friend of mine, Rebecca Friedrich, sued all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court because she didn't want to participate in these unions, and she won. So right now, any teacher in all of America is free to leave the union if they would like to. Uh, She's actually got a wonderful program going on. I encourage people to check it out to help teachers exit the unions, and I think most teachers will find they do not agree with the extremism of this union. Very, very powerful, but you can leave today. Uh, and secondly, you know, we, we really should be defunding the entire system. And the best way to do that is for parents to take their children out of the system and start uh, either putting them in private Christian schools where they're going to rely on the Word of God or educating themselves at home or in a community with fellow believers who are going to do the right thing. So thank you for that call. Uh, pleasure hearing from you. Glad you were able to come out in, uh, in Bradenton. And I do think this is a critical issue. So thank you for raising it. Thank you. From Florida, let's go to the state of Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, uh, Dave, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, Alex. Thanks for your uh, discussion today. I'm a retired educator of 35 years and uh, <clears throat> have spent time as an administrator in a variety of schools, and I I have to honestly say that I I can't uh, say that I've seen a lot of what you're talking about. Uh, Your discussion today is kind of like being on a pogo step. You're jumping all over the place, and you know, if you're going to help people understand, you know, really what you um, are in support of, uh, I I think you have to simplify your message and bring it down more to the local level, and explain to people exactly what you have done in local school districts to help them, uh, you know, head off in the right direction. There's an old saying, great parents make great schools. And uh, we aren't going to uh, fix the problems in education until we fix families. And, uh, you know, getting rid of the NEA isn't isn't the solution. Fixing families is the solution, and that's where it's got to start. Okay, thank you for the comments. We're going to have, uh, we're at a break, so we're going to uh, have Alex uh, pick up his thoughts on that issue following the break. So, uh, and let me just say this it was very important for us to give us the background, the backstory to what's going on and working its way up through the educational system, not only in the U.S., but around the world. So, more on that issue after the break. Thanks. Uh, we'll be back in a minute here on Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. The Bible is an amazing document. We can trust it. We have a sure word of prophecy. The Bible says that Babylon, 58 miles south of Baghdad, will become a major center for commerce for the world's merchants. But it will also be the center of world government, a Eurocentric world government. Well, not much has been going on in Babylon for some time now, but did you know there has now been a $2.6 billion contract with South Korea's Daewoo Engineering and Construction to build what is 
described as the Grand Fall Port. And you know what? It will be completed and in operation in 2024 and fully completed by 2025. Guess what it'll do? Shave off 25 days of shipping oil and goods through the Suez Canal to Europe. This, my friends, many are saying, will make Babylon the center of commercial commerce big time for the world. The Bible's coming true. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. So the caller from Minnesota uh, to our guest here today, Alex Newman, saying, you know, I haven't really seen what you're talking about coming up uh, through the ranks. And uh, uh, you're just kind of all over the board. You need to be a little bit more focused on what you're doing. And by the way, it's great parents that make great schools. We need to get more involved in transforming, uh, what, the school system. Alex, your response. Uh, well, thank you to the caller. And, uh, you know, I'll start off by saying I... I perhaps wasn't as clear as I should be. Uh, you know, he wondered why I hadn't been working with local school districts to try to fix the system. Um, that, you know, to me, that's like asking, how would you like to reform your cancer? Um, you know, I, I don't believe the system can be fixed because I think it's unbiblical. Uh, one of the things that I've studied in great depth is the history of the public school system. A lot of people don't realize this is a very new institution. Um, it's an institution that the church lived without for almost 2,000 years. And, um, you know, I don't believe it can be reformed. Um, it came from a poison seed, and therefore it is producing poison fruit. Now, I recognize it's very hard for a person whose livelihood depends on this institution to see those things and to recognize those things. Um, you know, when your living depends on something, it's very difficult to acknowledge that there are fundamental and systemic problems with it. But what I always like to and, – and almost everywhere I go, I've given hundreds of talks across America with all the proof on this. I've given talks all over the world on this, and I've got the videos, the documents. I'm always happy to share them with anybody who wants them. Um, almost always, um, even public school teachers and public school administrators love what I'm saying and really appreciate it. Occasionally, I meet some who don't. But, um, you know, when, you, when your livelihood depends on it, it's hard to see those things. But what I like to say to people whose livelihoods do depend on this is – Smashing the public school system would not um, result in any harm to education any more than smashing the collective farms of the Soviet Union resulted in any problems with agriculture. Right? You're still going to need farmers. You're still going to need educational institutions. You're still going to need teachers, even once you break up an unbiblical and corrupt monopoly. So, um, you know, I would encourage people to look at the history of the public school system, start with Robert Owens, the first man who proposed this in the modern era, pick up with Horace Mann, and then go to John Dewey, who's almost universally acknowledged as the founding father of the public school system in America. Uh, he was a big fan of the Soviet Union. He rejected the Bible. He was one of the founders and signers of the Humanist Manifesto. Um, to give you some sense of how evil this document is, the very first plank is we religious humanists believe the universe is self-existing and not created. Um, you can contrast that with the first words in the Bible, in the beginning, God created. So there's a lot of issues to address here, and so by nature it, it almost has to be kind of like a pogo stick. You know, we've only got a, a short time, mm -hmm. but I've given, again, many, many talks on this with all the proof. You can find a lot of those online. Um, yes, it's getting worse, right? Somebody who went to school in the 1980s will not see, uh, did not see some of the things that we're seeing now. But I think it's critical for people to understand this. Again, either the institution or the individual is with Christ or they're against Christ. And I think uh, it should be very, very obvious what we're dealing with here. And you'll find much information in his book, Crimes of the Educators, uh, really getting down into it. Uh, B is next in Scottsdale, Arizona. You're on the air, B. Hi, dear Jim. Thank you for taking my call. I kind of feel ultimately that, well, Stalin murdered 70 million of his own people while we called him Uncle Joe and had him to the White House. And we always talk about the 6 million Jews that were killed. Yes, horrible. But do you think ultimately this is about training our children to turn against? I mean, it is to have something like that happen here. Interesting. Uh, we certainly see a turning of children against God. We're seeing a, a wall being built, Alex, between uh, children and parents that's coming through the educational system. Yeah, and 
I'm glad you raised that issue. In fact, that is exactly what's happening. And the dots really first connected with me on this issue when I spoke with people who had lived through Chairman Mao's Cultural Revolution. Um, I had been looking at critical race theory and how they were dividing children up into different categories, oppressor or oppressed. They had uh, oppression matrices, and if you were, uh, if your ancestors were from Europe, you were an oppressor. If you were heterosexual, you're an oppressor. If you are a male, you're an oppressor. Whereas if you are uh, LGBT, you're oppressed. If your ancestors did not come from Europe, you're oppressed. And uh, the parallels, once I started finding out what had happened in the Cultural Revolution under Chairman Mao, are exact. Uh, one of the things that Chairman Mao did was he divided children up into two different categories, oppressed and oppressor. Uh, for him, it was the red classes and the black classes. And they prepared millions of children to see their parents as evil oppressors, their parents as the problem, the reason why China could not evolve into a better society and reach a new age. And it didn't take many years of this kind of indoctrination before these children were reporting their parents to communist authorities for torture and execution. Uh, and yeah, I think a lot of people think that sounds hyperbolic or um, even outrageous. And yet we're seeing it happen now. I think everyone listening to me right now probably knows people in their family, among their friends, whose children now won't even talk to their parents anymore because of their Christian faith, because of their political ideas, whatever it is. This is all very deliberate. It's very strategic. It's happening on a systemic level in public schools all across America. B, we appreciate your call. Next, holding the longest, Charlie in Lodi, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Thank you, Jim. Your guest is making me feel a lot better because I was in the public school system as a substitute teacher for a number of years in the area, and I got fired from most of my jobs. Hmm. In one instance, I was banned from the building, and I said, well, what, what did I do wrong? You said something religious. Yeah. That's all it takes. There's no, evolution is pushed. Women's liberation is pushed. There's no room for conservative discourse. Yeah. There's no room for discipline, and there's no room for God. In one class, the kids were so loud, I couldn't even talk on the phone to say, attendance, I'm a combat veteran, a Marine. I don't, I'm not abusive, but I did tell the kids to be quiet a number of times. I finally said, when I'm talking, shut up. Hmm. Charlie, thank you for the call. Alex, uh, certainly, um, you know, a lot of spirituality taking place in the classroom, but it is not that which would adhere to biblical Christianity. Yeah, you're exactly right, Jim, and thank you to, thank you to the caller. Uh, you know, I, I think the it may have been best expressed by Justice Potter Stewart uh, back in the early 1960s when the Supreme Court lawlessly and unconstitutionally banned prayer and the Bible in public schools under the guise of enforcing the First Amendment. He put it very well and very eloquently when he said, "What's happening here is not the uh, is not the establishment of neutrality with respect to religion. What's happening here is the establishment." of a religion of secularism. That's exactly what has happened. Children in public schools all across America are being taught false religion under the guise of secularism, under the guise of neutrality. Uh, John Dewey would have recognized the secularism as his humanism. Of course, in California, the entire board, state board of education voted unanimously to bring in uh, chanting to the pagan demonic deities of the Aztecs. And so I tell parents, the schools are on fire. Don't worry about reforming. Get your kids out now. Alex Newman, our guest today, the website, thenewamerican.com. Alex, thank you for enlightening us. Thank you for the information and joining us today on Crosstalk. Thank you so much. God bless you. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.